I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Lori. Overeater. Uh, I'm glad to be here and I will talk for 40 minutes because I don't want any questions. <laughs> scared me to death, Nikki. Anyway, um, John, I want to thank you very much for asking me to come and be of service. And um, there's somebody else in the fellowship I would like to thank because when I came in, he said, are you nervous? And I said, no, not at all. And he said, remember, there's going to be people all over the world listening to you. <laughs> I said, thank you. <laughs> but you know something? One of the gifts of this program for me has been that I can get over myself. For years, I had to share a share. I had to speak at business meetings and conventions, and I was terrified, terrified. And through the years of actually forcing myself to get up at Serenity Sunday in front of nine million people, it seems like, and talk and share, you know, often, I've really gotten over my fear of public speaking. And um, that is a real gift. Um, I've learned to get over myself much of the time in other ways, but um, not always. I do my best. I'm going to pass some pictures around. I wish I had some new old pictures because I'm getting tired of looking at those. Um, and maybe a new old story. Anyway, to qualify, I've been in program for just over seven years. And um, I am maintaining over 100 pound weight loss. Um, and my entire life has changed. I know everybody has, that gets up here practically says that. And it's true. It are, for the newcomers, our lives do change. And um, I didn't want to be here at all when I first came in. I'm multiply addicted, and I was more than happy to, to go to other meetings and say I'm this and I'm that, but I did not want to come in and say I'm a compulsive overeater. I have just a bit of denial about the whole thing. Um, my whole life I either starved or exercised myself half to death to maintain a, a normal weight, and, um, which I did for a long time. And um, I never, but I never put a bite of food in my mouth that I didn't think, is this a good food? Is this a bad food? Am I going to follow my diet today? Am I not? You know, starting at breakfast time, um, well, am I going to eat a good breakfast? Um, if I did, okay, then I could make it to snack time at work. And am I going to have a chocolate bar and blow the whole thing, or am I going to have my piece of fruit? And, of course, if I had the chocolate bar, then that gave me permission for the rest of the day to go out and eat everything I could possibly get in my mouth until the next day when I started all over with this good food. Is this a bad food? Am I going to be a good girl? Am I going to be a bad girl? You know, with all this going on all my life, I didn't know I was a compulsive overeater. Um, and I actually went inpatient to start this whole process. And um, I weighed 296 pounds at the time. And um, they had to convince me to even look at the um, eating disorder program. I said, you know, yeah, I'm an alcoholic. Yeah, I'm an addict. And um, no, I don't think anything about the food. And the, and the intake counselor said, you think you might just look at it? You seem like you might be a little bit overweight here. <laughs> and I said, well, okay, I'll try it. And, you know, that's probably in, in being willing to do that.
that was probably the very beginning, now that I think about it, of my ability to say, okay, I'll do what you tell me to do, um, even though I may not agree with it. Um, and I certainly learned that immediately. When I went in, I was absolutely desperate, desperate. And um, I had said to myself, for once in my life, I'm not going to be a princess. For once in my life, I am going to do what other people tell me to do without altering it, without changing it, without trying to make it work just the way I think it should work because I don't know anymore. And, you know, I did that. And 30 days later, I came out um, clean, sober, and with the biggest miracle of all, which I didn't realize at the time, I had an abstinence. I actually got abstinent as soon, abstinent as, soon as I got in, didn't realize what I had until a good six months after I came out. Because um, it was just food, just food, um, which had been destroying my life for years. Um, and it wasn't as I did until six months afterwards when I was um, been going to OA meetings for six months and walking and sticking with my food plan and still thinking it's just food, it's just food. And suddenly one day I had taken a walk, I'd taken a shower, and I was standing there and I thought, something came over me. And I thought, this is the most amazing gift I have ever had in my entire life. No, I wasn't obsessing about food anymore. I was just following my food plan. I was losing weight, even though at that point it wasn't, somehow it wasn't the main focus. It was and it wasn't, because um, so many other amazing things were going on. And it was like, oh my God, look what's happened. I'm not obsessing anymore. And for 98% of the time for the last seven years, I haven't obsessed about food. And I can't believe that. Um, actually, I think a big, huge piece of my gratitude, and I have lots of it, is for the fact that even though I knew and I'd been in and out kind of, of close-step programs, I knew that people could get better from all kinds of addictions. I never knew that anybody could get better from an eating disorder. I don't know why I didn't know that. I think it was just because I felt so hopeless, and I thought my life was always going to be a matter of dieting and exercising and gaining weight and losing it. Um, I thought because I came from a family where everybody was little and thin and had no food problems at all except for my father. Uh, he never reached the great heights I, or the great wits that I reached. <laughs> but um, I just thought people were lucky and unlucky, and I was one of the ones who was unlucky, and I was going to have this burden for the rest of my life. So to actually find out that there was something that could be done about this other than one more of my 800,000 diet programs. You know, something that had a different approach, one that I didn't like. I didn't want anything to do with God, believe me. But um, it was something that gave me some hope. And uh, that, that hope, I think, sustains us through, through many, many faltering times um, because I could see other people who were recovering. You know, when I come to meetings and I see you and I watch you change and listen to you change and see the expression on faces changing and that glow that everybody talks about start that starts and the wonder that people share about, wow, you know, this is really something different than I ever expected. That's what I can really see in other people how this program works. I'm 
was very aware of it myself when it in the very beginning, um, and I'm certainly not a long timer. But after you know seven years, I'm not as aware of the changes. But when they hit me, and all of a sudden I think, you know, this has changed in my life, or I don't have to be this way anymore, or I don't have to be that way anymore. I realize what an ongoing gift this program is, day after day after day after day. Um, not only do I not obsess about food all the time, I don't hate myself. And that's an amazing gift also. I mean, I, I have a, I'm not going to show it, never mind, nobody can see it on tape anyway. Um, I uh, did a project, shall we say, in which I had to draw a picture of myself, which was a picture of a big fat pig's head, um, and write around it what I felt about myself and the things I felt about myself which lazy, stupid, ugly, fat, um, I wish I were dead, um, you know, I don't deserve to be on this planet, I mean, on and on and on and on. I've heard these things from other people. I know I'm not the only one, but I don't really know that I knew that, that I wasn't the only one for a very long time. Um, in fact, until seven years ago, the last two years of my life before that were probably um, 20 times a day, I would say, you're ugly, you're fat, you're stupid, I hate you, and I wish you were dead. That is, um, what is it? I can't remember. A pitiful something else. Demoralization. Yeah. Um, an agonizing, painful way to live. Um, I looked good, except for the weight, um, on the outside. Uh, and I thought that's what life was all about. I grew up in a family where um, I had really a tremendous amount of love from both of my parents, and that I do know. But I also got the gift of having parents who wanted me to be perfect. And um, I tried real hard for a long time until I decided not to try at all. Um, and it was really that, you know, what they wanted for me, they thought, was that I'd be, you know, the best student, the prettiest, the most popular, the most athletic, the best musician, and I mean, the best dancer, and believe me, I took lessons in all these things that I am mentioning, except popularity, I don't think there were any popularity lessons, but in everything else, you know, I took endless lessons, which I thought I wanted to take, but it got exhausting after a while, um, and I had to do everything the best, and I had, oh, I forgot ice skating, um, <laughs> had to do everything the best, and I had to do it with a smile on my face, because we didn't believe in feelings in my family. I mean, sadness was okay, up to a point. Um, tenderness was allowed in my family, but anger was an absolute no-no. Um, my father, who was really a very gentle man, um, and also um, a successful businessman, so he had been exposed to anger in his life, believe me. But the reaction to anger in my family, my father would say, relax. That was the first thing I learned. He would tell my mother and me, relax. And it was kind of hard to relax when I was like, you know, but that's what I thought I was supposed to do. And the second reaction would be, voices very rarely were raised, one or the other of my parents would run around slamming all the windows shut in the house because they didn't want the neighbors to hear. Now, we lived on a corner um, and across the street from a country club, and there was nobody anywhere around to hear, but it didn't matter. We had to slam all the windows shut so that, you know, a passing insect couldn't hear that there was, that there was a little discord in our house. Um, 
So I uh, didn't quite know how to do anger, and it's still something that I work with, um, not acting out, but talking about. Um, The famous when you, I feel. Anyway, I work on that formula. I am having a senior moment. I'm 61 years old, and this happens way more often than I wish it would. <laughs> Especially since I'm sure that everything I got was going to be absolutely brilliant. Anyway, um, anger, feelings. Um, anyway, I didn't know. I didn't know about having feelings. So, like most of us, many of us, I ate um, and stuffed it down because. I wasn't supposed to feel the way I felt, and so that made my feeling wrong. It made something with me be wrong. I never really quite understood what was going on. I just knew that things didn't feel right, and I go into my room, you know, with piles of food that I had snuck from the kitchen, and eat, and eat, and eat, Uh, and then I'd feel better, except that I'd be sick. and that worked for a long time until it stopped working. And I think I hear that everywhere, is that, you know, it works until it stops working. Our food is our best friend until it becomes our worst enemy. And who knows when it turns on us? I don't know. All I know is that when it turns on us, thank God there's this program for many of us to come to. Um, so anyway, what it was like continuing is family, lessons, perfect, smiling, um, and as I said, I did it really well until I couldn't do it anymore. I know there are people who lived under pressure worse than mine was, who went on to, you know, accomplish great and glorious things very young. Um, I did fine, but I didn't accomplish great and glorious things. And behind it all, I was sneakily rebelli- rebelling um, in various ways, acting out with my other addictions and doing other things that my parents would turn over in their graves if they could even hear me talk about it now. Um, you know, typical rebellious teenager. But I wasn't allowed to be that. I wasn't allowed to be that. I wasn't allowed to be angry, to say no to my mom, to say, I mean, she used to make me date boys I couldn't stand because she said she felt so sorry for them. And I didn't know how to say no. <laughs> I'd say, oh, please. And she'd say, but nobody likes him. You know, poor guy, he's lonely, he's this or that, you know, here I am. I didn't know how to say, no, Mom, I don't want to do that. I think that's really sad. Um, So I guess when I finally just gave up, really gave up, well, I gave up once in college. Um, I finished three and a half years at UCLA and then walked out the last semester of my senior year. Um, That was one of our many, many, many family secrets because nobody could know that, so I lied about it all my life um, until I got in here and stopped lying about it. Um, So that was one time I really gave up. And then I think the other time that I finally just gave up was uh, in the second of my failed marriages. Um, I was unhappy. I wasn't working. I was home a lot, and I ate. That's when I ate my way up to 296 pounds. And I was that big for, I don't know, 10 years, 15 years, something like that. I didn't come in here until I was 54 years old. And um, do I wish that I had been younger and taken advantage of OA when I first went to a meeting in the 70s, I think, long before many of you were born. But in the 70s, yeah, I really do. And I hope everybody who's young or whatever age you are, but if you're young, 
grab onto it as hard as you can because your life will be so different than it would be if you didn't get in here and stay with the program. Because even at 54, as I said earlier, my entire life has changed. Um, I lived a life that looked good on the outside because I really thought that's what life was all about. As long as it looked good to other people, then darn it, it was the way I was supposed to be. So I had a good job. It wasn't the job that I would like to have had if I'd had a college degree, but one, I couldn't admit that I didn't have a college degree. I didn't lie about it, and I just danced around it in, in job interviews and stuff. Don't ask me how I did it. I'm a real good liar. But <laughs> um, surprise, surprise. But um, I did, and... So I, I used to say I lived something like kind of a parallel life. Because I had to look good to everybody, I could never just really relax and say, I don't want to do this or I want to change my ideas. I had a job that I liked very much, but it was not in a field that I was particularly interested in. I would give up on something because if I couldn't be the best, I would walk out. If I couldn't be the best and be perfect, I couldn't stand it, so I would have to leave. So I found things that I could do where I could be the best and um, look good to others, but, but I didn't, I didn't um, achieve what my heart wanted me to achieve. And that was a painful way to live, but I had made my peace with it the best I could, um, that this was going to be the rest of my life. So when I came in here at 54, and I know many of you have heard this before, but I'm going to tell you again, um, I finally was able, because of our, our um, precept, whatever, of rigorous honesty, uh, I finally admitted to other people out loud that I had not graduated from college. I was a partner in a business by then, and when I came back from my rehab program, I told him, he didn't know where I was gone, where I had gone, really nobody's business but mine. And, now everybody that's listening to this, but um, um, I came back and made a living amends to him. Uh, I had not been the best uh, partner in the world because I wasn't there half the time, but um, made my living amends and told him that I was going to leave in six months and go back to school, and I did. I went back and finished up my bachelor's degree, and then I went and got a master's degree, and I am now a 61-year-old intern in the field <laughs> in the field that I have always wanted to do ever since I was probably 15 years old. You know, as I always say, um, I'm a marriage and family therapist intern, and I always say lots of my other friends played um, doctor. My friends and I played therapist. We used to pass Kleenexes around to, to sobbing clients. <laughs> played a little doctor, too, but mostly therapist. <laughs> anyway, so um, I'm getting to do what I've always wanted to do, you know, which proves it's never too late. But at the same time, um, I... I would love to be 20 years younger in this field and have all the opportunities to do so many diverse things that I would be able to do were I younger. But I'm still incredibly grateful to be doing what I love to do and have always wanted to do. Uh, never, never would have happened except for this program. First of all, I could never have admitted I didn't have a bachelor's degree. And secondly, it's really hard to talk your way into grad school without one. So <laughs> if it had been easy, I probably could have done it. Anyway... 
Um, I did, as I said earlier, I did step in and out of 12-step meetings. And I had, as I've heard so many times, tried every diet there was, you know, the pregnant horses, urine shots. <laughs> and um, those hurt after a while. I couldn't sit down. <laughs> um, you know, Atkins, Stillman, um, everything. And I did one that still, I've shared this in many meetings, I've still never heard anybody else say I did that too, so let me see if I can keep my record up. I had, I read about something in Newsweek magazine, and um, you were put to, um, put to sleep, it sounds like I'm ending a dog's life. Um, Anyway, tranquilized for a few moments, and the doctor put a balloon in your stomach and then inflated it. Okay, I keep my record. I see no nods. Okay, and inflated the rec inflated the the uh, balloon in your stomach, and that was supposed to keep your stomach full, and so you wouldn't be able to eat very much. And I never thought it worked very well. When I went back for my checkup, it's because I popped the balloon. I probably put so much food down there that it just gave up. <laughs> and um, then I had it done a second time, and the same thing happened. So I finally thought, well, this isn't going to work for me. So around those times, anyway, I went to OA, um, and in those days they had um, what they called the gray sheet, the diet program, food program. That and they came and I listened to everybody. I went to the meeting and I sat through it and took home the literature and um, went into my bedroom and tore all the literature up and stomped literally. And this is not the kind of thing that I usually do. I stomped all over that stuff. In my bedroom, I can still remember it alone with tears streaming down my face, screaming, this isn't going to work. I cannot believe that they actually believe that God is going to pay any attention to somebody like me to keep me from putting a bite of food in my mouth. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. I was agonized. I was so disappointed because I thought this was going to be it. Um, I mean, that was how many years ago? 35 years ago? And I can still, I still feel like choking up right now when I think about it. Um, anyway, so that was my introduction to OA, and that's how resistant I was and how much I did not want God in my life. I had grown up um, believing in God, uh, went to church and Sunday school every Sunday. I actually taught Sunday school well into my 20s. But I didn't really believe, and um, actually, as an older teenager and in my early 20s, some of my very intellectual friends convinced me that it was ridiculous. Those were the days, you know. Convinced me that it was ridiculous to believe in God, and I was already all too ready to give him up. I don't know why I... I came up with a God like this, but he was a punishing God. And I would worry at night, you know, had I done something wrong? What was going to happen to me? After my grandmother died, and she was the dearest, sweetest, most loving woman, I used to think, well, she's up there watching me, and she's so disappointed in me, now that she really knows what I'm like. Um, so this was my idea of religion. This was my idea of life, idea of spirituality, and it didn't work very well. Um, I think that day that I talked about when I suddenly realized that my abstinence was the greatest gift I'd ever had, I think that's the very same day, a few minutes later, um, when I suddenly realized this is a gift from God. 
and there is somebody out there, some power, some something out there in me, whatever, that is making it possible for me to change me for the first time in all those years. Um, I certainly know that I didn't do this on my own because, as we all say, I would have done it many, many years ago if I could have done it on my own. So I don't know really whether there's a power out there or the gift is I have a power in me that was given to me by a power out there. I really don't know. All I know is I feel very different. I feel... Um, and I'm not always in touch, believe me. It isn't always this way I wish it were. But when I really feel in touch um, with the grace of God, is it's a kind of a strength, a warm strength inside of me with a, a kind of a joy and a quietness um, that make me realize that things are different for me. Um, I'm still not a religious person. I don't go to church, but I certainly have a spirituality. Um, I really know, I really believe with all my heart that I will be taken care of. That um, if I do the footwork, things will fall into place. If they don't fall into place, it's probably something that I'm not supposed to be doing. It's, not, it's a path I'm not supposed to be going down. And I think the first time I really, really grabbed that is when I decided to leave my um, business and go to, to school because I was giving up a fair amount of income to go and spend a lot of money going to school and changing careers. And I was no baby at the time. And I spent a lot of time thinking about it, talking to people about it, and most of all, praying about it. And I remember saying to myself, okay, Lori, um, if you're going to believe that this program is what it says it is, if you're going to believe, as you seem to, in a higher power, then believe it all the way and take this leap. Go ahead, leave, go back to school, and you will be taken care of. And the truth is, I obviously am supposed to be walking down this path because it was easy for me. Everything fell into place. Um, I got through school. I loved it. Um, and the other things that could be difficult, enough income, et cetera, et cetera, um, just, just fell right into place. So I knew this was something I was supposed to be doing. When I talked about not always being in touch with my higher power, that does happen. Um, even though it doesn't always feel like it, I know that I'm the one who, who moved away. And then I have to do, you know, extra step work, extra calls to my sponsor, really spending some time doing more writing and more reading um, because I want to be doing um, what my higher power has in store for me. And the only way to do that is to be quiet enough and to believe enough to, to hear what's what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, I'm just trying to think how to wrap it up. I think I'm going to make the whole 40 minutes with no, with no questions. Um, thank you, God. Um, see? It does come through. <laughs> um, talk a bit about sponsorship. Uh, I've had two sponsors. My first sponsor was a woman a little older than me, which was very appealing to me. 
very kind, loving woman, but she did leave the program, and then I found another sponsor, and she and I have been working together since then for about five years. She's terrific, um, as most of our sponsors are. She really helps me pay attention to the important things when I can go off in all these different directions. She kind of helps bring me back and guides me as far as the different work I should do. Um, and with my sponsees, right now I'm sponsoring five women and sometimes it's like pulling hair because I come home from a hard day and it's like, oh, I don't want to listen to anybody else. And I answer the phone. I think about it not doing it sometimes. And I always answer the phone. And when I do, once I get into the conversation, I am always so grateful that I did because sponsees really do help us stay in program. I mean, I can be going through something and one of my sponsees will be going through it and talking about what, you know, planning things out or talking about the feelings or whatever. I can get in touch with my own stuff. Or just the idea of being able to pass this program on to other people um, and have them, you know, pass it back to me is such a wonderful dynamic. Um, so I, I don't believe that one can work this program successfully without a sponsor and I also think that it's incredible service um, for us to sponsor people so that we can give it back because it's just a really just a big circle in here. Um, my relationships are different than they ever were. I've always had a lot of close friends. Well, I should say I've always had a lot of friends and some very, very close friends. Um, but my relationships have changed, and I think the reason is is that I'm honest. I had to come back and tell a whole lot of people um, that a whole lot of stuff I had told them wasn't true, um, including fabulous trips I'd taken. I mean, that was a mess. Fabulous trips, <laughs> fabulous trips I had taken, places I had visited, people I had met. You know, the whole the whole litany. Um, and I came back. In fact, um, the fact that I had told somebody that I had a certain license that I didn't have a real estate license when I didn't. She was so proud of me finally having gotten it all after all the years I'd been trying. And I said, yeah, I finally got it. And then the first time I saw her after that, I had to say, well, you know what? I didn't get it at all. I was lying to you. I was terrified. And she smiled, patted my hand, and said, I just love you for being able to tell me that. I think that's so cool. What a reaction. And that's the kind of stuff I got from just about everybody. I don't think I got a frown. I don't think I got an angry word. I think I just got people saying, you know, that's terrific. We're glad that you could be this way. My closest friend said, it's really nice that when you can't come to something, you don't have to make up a whole lot of excuses about why you can't be there and why you don't want to go. You just say, no, thank you. Um, I'm not going to go instead of four hours of, you know, everything else that I had to do. Um, not only was it relief for me, but I guess it was an incredible relief for them, too. <laughs> um, and in, in being um, honest with people and in being present, not be sitting there binging with my binge buddy, or uh, actually being able to be present in a relationship has made such a huge difference. I feel so much closer to my friends than I used to. I have some new friends and some different friends, and it's interesting the way they perceive me than the people that have known me for 30 or 35 years. Um, but in a way, it's kind of neat to have the older friends who've seen me um, struggle and get through it. Um, I kind of like that. It's like, I don't know. 
magic point for me, too, and the ability to see how things have changed. My dad had been dead a number of years when I um, got into program, but my mom was still alive, and I was uh, living with her, taking care of her at the time. She died last year. Uh, and that was a real struggle, but I was present for her. I was available for her, and before she had gotten enough dementia that there was no real point in confronting anything with her, I was able to tell her some of the things um, that uh, I wished I had been able to tell her when I was younger that could kind of clear some of the stuff out of the path of our relationship. I could honestly be honest with her when she said something to, to me. I could tell her, you know, my feelings are hurt by that, and we could talk about it. So that by the time she died, I miss her, and I'm sad she's gone, but there's no grief or regret on my side because my path was clean and clear, and my mom knew how I felt. I loved her dearly, and I knew she loved me, and it was an honest relationship. That's terrific. Um, I have uh, people in my life that I never expected to have. I had two failed marriages. Both times I jumped into marriage really fast because I thought, you know, this person was going to be able to save me. And just amazing. You know, nothing ever saved me. It used to really disappoint me. But, you know, thing after thing after thing after thing, person after person after person, you know, which new obsession was I going to get? It was going to save me. And nothing ever did until I got into program. But um, I'm in a relationship now, and it's very nice and something I absolutely never expected in my life. I was finished, but I'm not finished anymore. Um, step work, as I just alluded to briefly, is um, sometimes really difficult, um, sometimes embarrassing, um, in the beginning anyway. Because uh, we, we, feel, we feel like we're so full of shame, you know, and when we have to do our fifth step and sit down and not only have we written all this stuff, we actually have to tell another human being about it, you know, and the idea of, oh, my God, I'm going to die or they're going to shrivel up and die. And what you get is, uh-huh, 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 thank you for telling me. You know, um, the freedom of being honest is just amazing. Um, the powerlessness, I think I knew I was powerless, but I didn't really get it until I got into program. I just, I, I thought it was hopeless is what it was, not powerless. Um, and the, the ones that I have to work on a lot are step six and seven because my character defects come up and hit me in the face and then I work on those steps and pray to have them gone. And the truth of the matter is I'm not really willing to give all of them up. There's a few that I kind of want to hold on to and yet I know that gets in my way of my recovery. Um, so there's real work in trying to pray to have character defects lifted that you don't want to have lifted. And what I'm really trying to do is hope that I get through, you know, continuing with this program, I hope that I get to a point where I can really, really see and feel how they get in my way uh, of my own growth and my relationships with God and with other people and really pray, meaning it, to have them lifted. Um, and I also know that with all of us, our character defects go, and then they pop up again, and then they can be taken away for a while, and then they pop up again, and, and I expect this to be a lifelong journey. Um, I expect this entire program. I can't imagine leaving. I can't imagine. Uh, I love coming to meetings most of the time. It's such a delight to walk in and have people go hi and give me a hug, and it's great to see you. 
and um, and through talking, and I got away with it, and thank you very much. Um, I've really enjoyed being here and being of service. Thanks a lot.